What's going on, everybody? Listen, if you're ready to put your podcast out there and get your message out to the world and help impact a lot of people, Anchor is the way to do it. It's a free service. Uh, you're able to upload your information uh, and your recordings, or you're also able to do your recordings right on Anchor. It distributes it for you. Uh, it puts it all together for you. It's very, very simple to use, very easy to use. And uh, if you're ready to start and put your podcast out there, this is the platform to use. My name is Clay Smeltzer, and this is the Purpose Infused Men's Podcast, bringing men together to help rebuild masculinity with heart and purpose, here to help good men do great things. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Welcome, everybody. Listen, I'm excited. I was just chatting with David. We stopped chatting, and we're going to roll right into what we were doing because we were talking about his amazing career and his story. So I'm going to let David Stone uh, reach out. David, just say, hey, who, who you are, kind of what you do with, uh, not what you do, but what you run with it, I Fearless. And then let's get into what we were talking about with your uh, your story you were telling me. Kind of, I don't want to just just start over with it. Cause it was awesome. And uh, I'm sure. like, man, I should, we should have hit record already. So, so David, oh, that's uh, David, so welcome to the show and uh, please let, let people know who you are. Absolutely. Clay. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, my I pleasure. love, I love uh, spreading this message and, and basically, you know, the, the quick story, what I do, what I do is help people stop worrying because boy, we all worry a lot and we all just sort of sit there and we self doubt and we think too much and we, overthink things and we you know lie awake at nights with anxiety and all the rest of it and I help people put a stop to that and but to, to back up as as we were talking let me go back over uh, some of the things what how I got here I spent 25 years working as a marketing consultant traveling all over the world um, literally had one client that uh, took me around the world they they had uh, their headquarters is in Houston. They said, we want you to visit our branch offices. So we flew west from Houston and came back from the east on a, a three-week trip. Anyway, um, but so, so I was doing that. But uh, simultaneously, uh, my life was getting worse and worse and worse. And I was, you know, I, I, you know you, you're, you, we're all familiar with that sort of living for the future. You know, as soon as this happens, then everything will be great. As soon as I get that done, then it'll be all great. And I spent my entire life doing that, or not the entire life, but a long time of life. And when I was 55 years old, and, you know, still things had not come together for me, although it was strange, you know, I had this great job. I was making a very healthy six figures. And uh, still, I'm waiting for my life to begin at 55 years of age. Mm. And then uh, I landed myself homeless. In August of 2009, I found myself living in my car and, you know, not living in my car as in, uh, you know, the, the road warrior who keeps yeah. hurts in business, but <laughs> literally every <laughs> night, going to sleep, uh, pulling into a truck stop that was not far from where I was, uh, where I was and wrapping my leg around the gear shift and going to sleep. And then the next morning I'd wake up and because I still was serving my clients, I would go to the local public library because they had Wi-Fi and I could log in and, and deal with my clients. And I thought, you know, all right, David, you know, let's call time here and see what the hell is going on. How did I get here? 
And so I, ha I have this theory that uh, life or the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, tries to send you little messages, kind of nudges you every once in a while. And we all ignore the nudges. And if you yeah. ignore the nudges long enough, eventually they smack you upside the head with a two by four to say, hey, you got to pay attention to this. <laughs> yeah. And for some people, it's a, yeah. yeah, some people it's a heart attack. Some yeah. people it's a divorce. Some people it's uh, for, for me, it was a homelessness. And so I'm sitting in my car looking around saying, all right, whose fault is this? You know, who can I blame for this? Because it sure as heck can't be my fault. And I started looking around and thinking, well, you know, it must be this person's fault. It must be uh, the economy. That's the problem right there. And then I realized and um, after looking at it long enough, I realized, all right, there's one common denominator in every single instance, every single circumstances that uh, things have gone wrong. There's one common denominator. And that was me. <laughs> I was the only one present nice. for every single thing that had gone wrong. And uh, I had a moment of uh, denial and I thought that can't be right. You know, I'm smarter than that but I could not deny it. And I thought, okay, well, maybe, just maybe, you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> just maybe, there's a, I've been missing something. And so I set out to learn everything I could about myself. And it was really funny because, you know, we all talk about the universe and the law of attraction and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was living in my car, but every day I would go to the local public library and work there because they had Wi-Fi. And so that very morning when I woke up and said, I got to, you know, got to do something. And I remember very clearly because I woke up and the sun was coming up. This was in uh, South Carolina and uh, sun's coming up through the pines. And I sort of called out to anybody that would listen. All right. Whatever I've been doing is not working. I'm wide open to hearing, yeah. you know, something else here. So that day I get up, I go to the library and settle down and I'm working away and I have to go to the bathroom. So I get up and I walk to the men's room and I'm walking through the stacks of books. And literally this book had fallen off and was sitting on the floor. And I bent down, picked it up to put it back. And I look at it and it's a book by Wayne Dyer. I don't know if you're familiar with Wayne I've Dyer. Oh, man, it was fantastic. He's, you know, one of the original self-help uh, gurus. Mm -hmm. And I read, I started reading the book and I thought, okay, here's, here's the answer starting to show up. And um, the book was The Power of Intention, Ooh. which is uh, fantastic. One of, he, he wrote dozens and dozens of books, but it was a really great one. And so I started reading. And now today, my personal library has got hundreds of books in it. And I've read them all, many of them twice. Many of them are all dog-eared <laughs> and bent over. And I finally figured out, you know, and the first step was to take 100% responsibility for everything Absolutely. that happens to me. Because the minute that I'm blaming somebody else, some other circumstance, the economy, the, you know, whoever it is, the minute I'm blaming I completely lose the power to change anything Correct. because, I'm, you know, if it's your fault, Clay, it's your fault. It's yep. you that screwed up my life. Then until you decide that you're going to do things differently, I'm powerless to do anything about changing my life. Correct. So that was one of the very first things that I learned and said, okay, I'm going to take responsibility here. 
And, you know, long story short, I turned it around. Things got really, really good. And uh, so for the next about seven or eight years, I was continuing to be this marketing consultant all over the world. But then uh, I was turning 65 and uh, which was like a year and a half ago now. And uh, I thought, you know, this is not, I'm not finding this satisfying anymore. And you talk about purpose. And what I was realizing it was my purpose in life was shifting. And so I, uh, I started doing some praying and some meditating. I've been meditating for a long time and saying, all right, what do I want to be when I grow up? Because here I'm turning 65. I have no intention of retiring whatsoever. I think, uh, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm busy. I got things that need, there are important things that need to be mm-hmm. done. So I started asking, what, what do I want to do? Because I was finding on the marketing side, it was losing interest, I'd run out of things to say. Anyway, um, and I've been a self-employed entrepreneur pretty much all my life. And the, the question that entrepreneurs always ask is, uh, what does the world need? Mm-hmm. And sort of find a hole and, at the, and fill it. And as I asked the question, what does the world need uh, in my meditation, the answer came really, really clear. And that is what the world needs is to be so or to be a whole lot less afraid of everything. I see so many people and we're just terrified of life. We're terrified of everything is going. Oh, oh, what if I get sick? Oh, oh, what if, you know, my relationship ends? What if I don't have enough money? What? Oh, terrible things. And everybody, so many people go through life in fear and all the decisions that we make are made from a position of fear and we're always you know you're a sports guy and a coach and we we all understand what happens when a team or an athlete is playing from a position to not lose there's a big difference in playing to not lose versus playing to win you end up losing and (laughs) you end up losing yeah and you're careful and you're cautious and you're, you know, you're, you don't take chances and you, you're always worrying about, oh, but what happened? You know, if I do that, this might, this terrible thing might happen. And so I, I realized what I want to do is help people get rid of that fear because mm-hmm. all fear, uh, well, first of all, it's an illusion. And secondly, you know, and anxiety. And, and so I started studying fear and anxiety and I realized, so, I mean, the quick answer was I decided to devote the rest of my life, whatever I've got left to helping people stop worrying, helping people give up, you know, release anxiety, help people live fearlessly. And so I started this website, this company called I Fearless. And um, I've been having a blast ever since. And, And what's really funny is I realized in the process because when you go into coaching and you, you start, you've probably encountered it as well. One of the pieces of advice you constantly get is, all right, who is your perfect client? Who yeah. are you trying to help? And, and I realized it's me. <laughs> I'm the perfect <laughs> client because I That's was true. the one that needed to get yep. over the fear. And so I thought, well, if I can help me, I can, there's a lot of other people like me. I can yes. help them too. And so, um, I, I sat down and started to say, well, how do you do this? What mm-hmm. process did I go through to relieve myself of my own fear? And I, by the way, I was saying, I can honestly say right now that the life that I live today is completely and utterly free of worry and anxiety. 
I wake up every single morning looking forward awesome. to the day. I go to bed at night and sleep like a baby every yeah. single night. Uh, you know, yeah, stuff happens to me. Stuff happens to all of us. But when something happens, I never anymore respond with a fear. The, oh, oh dear, you know, it's Correct, terrible yeah. what's going to happen. Um, and, and so and Dave, I, I wrote me, a book. Let me go, let yeah, me go, go back ahead. before we get into that. Let me go back yeah. because I, I really I want to touch on this piece is and I really like it. You said life keeps nudging you until you get smacked with the board. But mm -hmm. to me, I always say that you, you're going to continue to keep getting the lesson until you learn the lesson. I mean, that's that, exactly. that was for me. I kept getting the lesson of anxiety over and over and over again until I actually learned a lesson. You know, yep. I think we talked before this and one of the things and the reasons why I want to have conversations and and we're helping men and, and my ideal client is the ages between 25 and up. Yeah. And, and it's men. And mm -hmm. the reason why that is, especially for me in my 30s, I was the same way with you as I'm sitting here and, and, and life kept smacking me in the face and I wasn't learning the lesson until I'm sitting on my couch having a panic attack over a TV show. And I'm like, this is not what it was supposed to be. And, yeah. uh, you know, everything was going great around me, but all this anxiety was, was I was allowing this anxiety to take over, which is again, yeah. in, that, in that fear base. So when we look at this, like I, I had to make sure, like I did something completely different and, mm -hmm. um, speak from what I was doing because it wasn't working. So therefore for me is like, well, how do I wake up excited every day? Well, mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't know who Clay Smeltzer was. I right. was trying to put out somebody else who I wanted other people or having an external trying to be me. And mm -hmm. what I love is, is that, that piece, you're going to keep learning the lesson until you learn the lesson or sorry, you're going to keep yeah. getting the lesson until you learn until, the lesson. until you learn it. Yeah. It's, it's no different. I mean, you're a math teacher, grade seven yeah. math teacher. And, uh, you know, kids come in and now we're learning, you know, the beginnings of algebra or whatever yeah. it is that they're learning. And if I don't get it, I can't move on mm -hmm. uh, until I get that concept. I can't go on. I'll never learn calculus until I've learned algebra or, or geometry or whatever the precursors are. And you're absolutely right. Life is exactly the same. And we can try and dodge the lessons because the lessons aren't always fun. Uh, but no, you're they're never fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, well, there is actually a way to make it fun. That's true. Uh, That's true. The process yeah. and learning and, and doing that, I agree, is definitely fun. It has become fun. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the things that you go through, like I've been divorced twice. Those weren't right. fun going through, but the lessons right. that yeah. I learned in a process to become who I am, I agree that that is the fun part for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. You know, we try to dodge those things. We try to avoid it. But until you take it head on and say, all right, Let's deal with this. Put it right yep. here on the table and let's take it apart and let's learn everything there is to know about it. Because then and only then can you move on to the next stuff, which is even cooler. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and I love cool. what you said is that that your life now is you're excited about everything. And it's oh, because yeah. because you you know, we get into this monotonous. I always saw it's a monotonous hamster wheel life. You know, mm -hmm. wake up Monday, it's Monday. We yeah. wake up Monday. Now you're listening uh -huh. to this on a Thursday coming out, but it's Monday right now where, where we're doing this. And it's like, uh -huh. you know, we wake up, we'll go to work, we come home, we, we, we're, we're worn out. We half give ourselves to our family and our kids, you know, 
Uh, well, we get whatever's left over. Then we watch some TV. We go to bed. We do the same thing. The weekend, we got some time to let go and relax or let go and drink or whatever it is that, that uh -huh. you do to, to, to let go. And then uh, it starts over again. And then we go back. And then we, it yeah. starts over. And then we go back. And it's like, especially for men as providers and protectors, we were like, oh, we're always doing, 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 doing. And yeah. for, for what? And that's where mm -hmm. I was, was like, for what? And that's where it was oh, yeah. like, four years ago, I'm, I'm sitting there like, this is not what it was supposed to be. This is not uh -huh. what I was told it was going to be. You know, that's I was right. like, then you feel like, oh, dude, I was lied to. You know, the American dream is white picket fence, go to school, get a good education, get a good job. You'll make money. Life will be great. And I'm like, dude, I did that twice already and it didn't work. I'm like, what the, <laughs> yeah. You know, I had, I actually had a term for it because I, you know, I did exactly the same thing uh, for 30 years and uh, I was making the money, had the house, had the car. I, I'm a car guy. I love cars. Yeah. And so I, you know, buy, buy cool what's your favorite car? My favorite. I, I like Jaguars and BMWs, frankly, gotcha. uh, but my favorite, which I'm still working towards is an Aston Martin. My DB nine is in my future. Nice. But the interesting thing is, and I've got a whole different perspective on it now because before it was, that is what's going to make me happy. Mm -hmm. And I was driving around and, and where one of the things that I realized and just prior to the homelessness thing, I had this, uh, I was driving around a Jaguar XKR and I, I mean, this gorgeous car, with, you know, 400 horsepower do anything I'd want it to do. And I thought, why am I still not happy? And that's, you know, and, and I realized, and I came up with a term for it and I called it substitute happiness. And I'm looking for all these things because inside I'm not happy. Yes. So I'm looking to, and, and I, I had my garage. I love my garage. And I actually, you know, I put, I had put ceramic tile on the floor of my garage. That's going to make me happy because <laughs> I'll have this, you know, this temple to the internal combustion engines or whatever it was anyway. And I thought, okay, still not working. Maybe there's something else that I miss. And I realized that, be, uh, you know, I'm empty inside, I'm hollow, I'm unhappy, and I keep trying to substitute other things. And then that's when, uh, and those are the nudges, by the way, yes. when you say, you know, there's got to be more. And by the way, guys, there is more. And it's yes. a whole lot better once you figure it out. Uh, but it's not what you and, keep looking for. And I love and what I, you and said. I, and I also yeah, want to say it's, it's, it's even more especially for those guys where things are good. Cause yeah. I think that's oh, yeah. one of, that's one of the mistakes that, that people with me and that I try to clarify is like, I don't work with, I don't necessarily work with guys who are like that down and like that, you know, like some of those guys that are like super down, super out, like mm -hmm. super like, Hey man, like totally messed up. Like mm -hmm. you, you gotta go get professional help with that. I, I yeah. really work with guys who everything on the outside looks great because that was me. That's my yeah. story. Everything looked great, man. You painted a picture and you saw it, like, dude, your life is awesome. And, but internally, yeah. I'm sitting there going, dude, there's something more than this. Like, there's yeah. something more than this. So, yeah, keep going with that. I, but I want yeah. to make sure that, I, there, that guys there, know there, that. Yeah, and there's a term for that, actually. It's called, uh, on the anxiety scale, it's called high-functioning anxiety. On the outside, everything looks great, but inside, you're terrified. And it's funny, you, you, you alluded to it, and probably the single most... Um, common fear is a fear of what everybody else thinks of me. 
you know, I'm doing this because so-and-so, you know, whether it's my wife or whether it's my kids or what's my boss or whether it's my friends or whatever, what will people, and we even do it with complete strangers. Oh, yeah. you know, you're walking down the street. Oh, what is that person looked at me? What are they thinking? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> you know, and they probably and yet, aren't thinking about you anyways. No, no, not at all. And, and yet we turn ourselves into knots uh, trying to think. And, and, and of course, and then you run into the ultimate challenge as that is you've got two people, three people who are close to you that are important to you and you want to make them happy. You want to please them, but each one is demanding the opposite of you. All right, now what do you do? Okay, yeah. this one wants this, that one wants that. Who do I please? And that's when you wake up and think, oh, I'm supposed to be pleasing myself. I'm yes. supposed to be living for uh, my life. Beautiful. And because, then, because we're, we're told, and, and as men, we're told, and I, especially me, I'm, I'm 39. Yep. Yep. You're, what, 66 right now? 66, yeah. So I, I know you were taught this too. And your oh, yeah. generation. Yep. Work your ass off, serve everybody else, and then uh, you'll be happy. And it's like, yeah. uh, when did when did anybody ever tell you, nobody told me that I needed to serve no. myself before no. I serve no. other people? Oh, no, no, not at all. And uh, in fact, I was even told, you know, in the very earliest days, I in our pre-conversation, I was talking about, I was, you know, studying yoga and, and meditation when in my early 20s and starting to get into that and starting to understand this notion of there is a self. Yeah. I would bring up the, you know, the notion of, uh, to somebody and I'd talk about, you know, working on myself. Oh, what do you mean? That's just selfish. You know, that yeah. you got to work yes. for others. Absolutely. It's, it's wrong to think about yourself. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're right. Cause we get this message right. and here's this, all this long list of things that you're supposed to be responsible for. Yep. And by the way, here's a long list of things that you're to be terrified of and, but don't ever, admit that you're terrified of it. Don't ever ask for help. Uh, it, it's how can you possibly win that game? You can't. Nope. It's impossible to win that game. Um, anyway, so I, I started to figure out, all right, you know, how do, how did I get myself out of it? Cause what mm -hmm. is the process? Cause if I'm going to share this, how, how did I get through it? And I've ended up last year, I wrote this book called unsubscribe from anxiety and, uh, uh, that basically, it was a book that documented the process that I went through. And the first step was when I realized that anxiety uh, is not a natural condition. It is not a fact of life. It is a choice. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is a choice that we all make. And worry is a choice that we all make. And I didn't realize that early on. I didn't know. I thought, as we were all told, no, worry's just a, a fact of life. Everybody worries. It's built into your DNA. And I started to drill down and started to study. And I, I learned a bunch of things. First of all, fear. Let's take fear. Um, fear is a natural and very handy uh, biological response to a threat. So I'm walking along the street. I turn to step, across, step out into the street to cross the street. I look to my left. There's a bus coming right at me, and it's going to flatten me. Well, we have an instant fear response, and the adrenaline kicks in. Cortisol pumps into your stuff. Your heart rate goes up. Your, your breathing rate goes up, and you take instant action, because, and it's instinctive action. And I jump back to the sidewalk. 
bus goes by, everything's fine. Now, that is fear. And that is really, really useful to have. And it, you know, it's been built into us for millions of years when the saber-toothed tiger was trying to eat you. It was real handy. But when we had to wake up and not, our goal for the day was to wake up and not die. That was exactly. Yeah. Well, the you know that has gone away. You know, the chances right. of anybody today, you know, dying from uh, some horrible thing is very is very low. very low. And yet, the biology is still there. The problem has happened, though, that the, the things that we truly have to be afraid of have gone away, but the biology is still there. And so mm -hmm. what we start to do is be afraid of much more vague things. So now, uh oh, somebody didn't like my Facebook post. Why not? What do they think? Do they not like me anymore? And, and so now I'm sort of afraid of this. Or, oh, I've got this little mole on my arm that wasn't there before. Uh-oh, what's, what's happening on that? Or, uh, you know, I watch CNN and it's telling me that the economy is collapsing and, oh, dear, am I going to lose my job? Yeah. And so and I want to make a distinction between fear and anxiety and worry. Anxiety is a response to a perceived threat that is more vague, more far off in the distance, and for which we're not exactly, it's not really clear what it is we should do, if anything. And more often than not, the thing where uh, the anxiety response is to a situation that we've just created in our minds. It is not actually happening. The, the number of things that happen in our lives that require and, and deserve a real fear response is very, very small. And the other thing that, uh, about fear is that it, it, it's, and it's designed into our biology. It, it's, uh, it's an emergency situation, which yeah. by definition is very, very short. So right. the bus is coming at me. I jump out of the way. And one or two things is going to happen. I'm going to jump back to the sidewalk and then I, it's fine. Or I'm going to get hit by the bus yes. and either die or be injured or whatever. But anxiety is nowhere in there. Mm -mm. You know, there's no need for anxiety. If I'm back on the sidewalk, I don't have to be worried anymore. If I'm dead by the bus, I don't have to be worried anymore. <laughs> but, but, but if I'm thinking about my retirement, or thinking about, oh dear, you know, is somebody going to remove Medicare or what, you know, what, or, or what am I going to do about my healthcare insurance? Whatever it is, um, that is just constant. It's like a chronic mm -hmm. situation because yeah. there's nothing, you know, I can't do something right now to make it go away. And so what I realized is that there are also people who are faced with the same situation who do not have, who are not worried, who are not anxious. And of course, then the pessimists in the world say they just don't realize how bad it is. You know, they're too dumb yeah. to know they're supposed to be worried. But worry and anxiety, there, there's four problems with it. Number one, it feels awful. I mean, it just sucks to be anxious. It's a, one of the worst feeling yes. human emotions that we experience. I would completely wow. agree with that. Number two, it never helps. No one has, no one's life has ever become better because you worried about something. Mm -hmm. Now, problem solving is a very different activity than worrying. And problem solving is great. And we I teach people how to go about problem solving. But anxiety and worry are not problem solving. Uh, there's a great word uh, called mentating, mentation.
And it's that when you go round and around and around and around in circles and next week I'm still worrying about the same thing and I haven't made any progress. Problem solving is very different than that. So that's the second problem. It never solves anything. The third problem with worry and anxiety is it makes you sick, literally. And if you do it long enough, it can kill you. And the the list of health uh, problems that arise from chronic anxiety is as long as your arm. And And it's crazy you know heart attacks and and gastrointestinal problems hey guys you lose your libido when you worry too much Mm -hmm. sex drive goes down because of anxiety and um so let's take a pill for that too anyway uh and so that's the third thing the fourth thing and the one that bothers me the most the the reason that i felt was the biggest reason to stop it is it stops your potential it is a barrier to your progress to realizing your immense human potential because when we are worried when we're anxiety filled with anxiety we are like the sports team we're playing to not lose instead of playing to win we're playing to not lose and so we don't try new things we don't oh i i can't do that because this terrible thing might happen i you know oh no yeah it'd be nice to do that but i sorry you know that uh, that would be too risky And so our world shrinks and our potential shrinks and we prevent ourselves from trying things even before we've tried them. And the fear of failure is the dominant motivator in our lives. And so we live small and our world shrinks. And that to me is the tragedy of, of anxiety and worry that we just don't, uh, step up we don't even try to see what our potential is because we never give ourselves the chance to to step into it man you you just you just described 15 years of my life yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and again my story guys is is really you know for me it it got to the point I, i started dealing with anxiety once baseball ended uh i was i played college baseball broke my thumb in three places played the whole year uh, and that ended up taking me out of the game and chasing the majors. And uh, so, so for me, like Clay Smeltzer chasing the majors, that was my identity. That's who I was. Mm-hmm. But then I was Clay Smeltzer. You had, you had, the, you had the, the card all set, didn't yeah. you? And, and it's you like, saw your rookie card. I and... saw it. You know, it, it, I, yeah. it was in there. I was chasing it. I've worked, you know, I worked starting in ninth grade when I was like, okay, this could actually be real all the way to there you know i mm-hmm. i work year round i work through football season i work to like up and down the east coast like all the, all the work mm-hmm. um to get to there uh the discipline to do it the uh, all those things um mm-hmm. the sacrifice to do it. but then it's like now i'm clay smelter college student now i'm clay smelter teacher now i'm clay Smelzer. so all that time you know there was no relationship to exactly well who is clay smelter why does clay mm-hmm. smelter you know, do what he does. Why do you make choices? Why does he get up in the morning? Why don't, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because I got up in the morning going, oh, this sucks. And then Mm -hmm. you wonder why I was living in a bunch of anxiety. And I, and I used to say, well, anxiety is taking over. Well, I let anxiety took over. No, 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 no. I allowed anxiety to take over. Right. I allowed that because I, I love what you were saying in there is you're talking about the fear. And what I always describe is I didn't realize 
that my, the anxiety, the things that I was dealing with anxiety, like the, the cortisol levels, those things releasing mm-hmm. into my body. I didn't realize how I utilized that in my past because when mm-hmm. I look at my past, okay, I was the guy on the field, like, Hey, you need to come in. Bases are loaded. There's two outs. We're, we're one run down we're one run ahead and you need to get to, you need to get these guys out. So you mm-hmm. need to come in and make it happen. Cool. Let's do it. But what I was doing is I was using the same things that release with anxiety to go out and perform all your right. height, all your senses are heightened. I always talk about, uh, you talked about, um, the bus hitting you. I always talked about mm-hmm. when a deer runs in front of you when you're driving on a road. I live in, I live in Pennsylvania. So there's deer runs across us all the time. So, yeah. and, and you have those slow motion moments where mm-hmm. in life, something happens so quickly, but you're like, when everything slows down, well, that's the exact same stuff that I was feeling over sitting on his couch over here watching a Game of Thrones episode when I'm having a panic attack, I'm getting hot, I'm getting sweaty, my cheeks are doing this numb thing, my fingers are getting tingly, my stomach is going like, and I'm either going to throw up or have diarrhea, you know, it's like, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh my God, like, ugh, like what's going on? Because in the past, and the reason why I believe I did not have and deal with anxiety the way I dealt as an adult is because I utilized it all the time in air, in, right. in sports. Yeah. But when it was done, I wasn't utilizing that, that anxious feel. I wasn't utilizing those, those chemicals. I wasn't, and it was continuing to pour out. And I believe, yeah. you know, and, and I, I like pretty much guarantee I'm ADD or ADHD, whatever it is, uh, never got tested, but I pretty much guarantee. Yeah. All my teachers were like, Hey, you got you. Like, <laughs> and we're like, no, no, no. We're, good. we're good. Uh, but looking at that, I think those two run hand in hand when we look at that and it, and it heightens it up because it's that super focus. When you talked about things that snowball or do that cycle, I yeah. remember in, in the worst times where my anxiety after, after the panic attack, it was pretty rough for a month. Mm-hmm. I remember getting ready for work going, Oh, like I got to wake up. I got to do this. And I don't like waking up early, but the, I'm in my bathroom. I look out my window. I saw a plane fly across in the morning and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's a plane. Is it aliens? What if aliens attack us? Oh my gosh, we're going into an apocalypse. What if I have to live in like a, like a hut or something or have to dig a hole underneath the ground? Like all this crazy stuff, like yeah. super crazy. And I'm like, what is, and then for me dealing with that, and then I would just get mad at myself. And then this negative cycle would run. Then the shame cycle would run. Then the, mm-hmm. the worthless cycle would run. And it'd it just be this whole big thing. And then I'd be mad and move out of it. Be like, all right, enough, let's go. And, yeah. uh, you know, but it just kept running that cycle and over and over again. And that's where, you know, it finally got to the point where for me, like I didn't want to tell my wife how much I was dealing with it because I thought right. she was going to think I was less than a man or less than a mm-hmm. husband or less than a father. But really, it was me mirroring what I felt about myself. And I, oh, think, absolutely, that's, I think that's one thing I, I want guys to understand is that if you're feeling these things, if you have those anxieties, and it might not be bad or heightened like I had, but you might still have this worry and stuff like that. Like, what can we do in order? And what, what are some like three good steps, like three maybe initial steps or something like that, that you would recommend that guys can do? to kind of break that cycle. Cause I think that's really what it is. We get in these anxious cycles then we get into neg- negative mm-hmm. cycle and then we get into the shame cycle. How can we break oh, yeah. that 
anxious cycle, maybe three or four steps. I love what you said because it feels awful. It sure it sucks. It mm-hmm. never helps. It never did. It makes yeah. you sick. Absolutely. Phys- for me, it went physical right away. Yeah. And it, it stopped me from doing things. And, and some of the things stopped me. One of the things like the other week, like I, I didn't do certain things in my life because of something that happened before that gave that gave me the thought that made me worry, that gave me the anxiety. And I'm like, bah. but then I tried to play it off like, well, no, no, I just don't like doing those things. I know that. But really, it was. I wasn't yeah. owning, I wasn't owning it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, give yeah. us, give us maybe what are, what are like some sure. couple, well, couple things we can do. There's a four step process. If you, if, and, and by the way, I want to uh, distinguish because here and with COVID going on and all the rest of it, we're just been swamped with here, you know, everybody's feeling anxiety. Here's what to do about it. And all the advice, which is, which is good advice, but the vast, vast majority of it has been, how do I deal with that in this moment? I'm feeling really anxious. I don't like feeling anxious. Okay, so the advice is, well, make yourself a cup of chamomile tea, go for a walk in the woods, breathe deeply, get a weighted blanket and stuff like that. And those things are great, but they deal with symptoms, yeah. only dealing with symptoms. They are not taking and saying, I don't want to be anxious at all because you know, right now it's COVID. Yeah. Well, there's always something going to yeah. be something that will have this response to us. And if, if I have to wrap myself in a weighted blanket every single time, <laughs> then, you know, we're not making progress here. Correct. So one of the things that I like to do is say, okay, great. In the moment, go ahead and do those things, but let's root it out mm-hmm. so that this is never a problem again. And in order to do that, there's a four-step process. Number one, is to learn everything that there is to learn about anxiety. And and the biggest lesson we're learning here is that anxiety and worry are mental choices that we've made so often they become habits and beliefs. Yep, absolutely. And so, and and in the book and in my workshops and stuff, basically I say, we're going to be scientists in this laboratory and we're going to study anxiety. So we're like a a white lab coat and we've got this blob of anxiety sitting on the lab (laughs) table there. We're going to dissect it and take it apart. And so we learn everything that there is to know. And the conclusion is that it is in fact a mental choice that we make and we don't have to make that choice. It's, you know, people say, well, it's normal. Yes, it's normal in that so many people do it. Yes. But, you know, obesity is normal and underfunded schools are normal. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are normal, normal. meaning that they're everywhere. It doesn't mean they're good or necessary. And I do, Anxiety and I do want that. to stop you there because you're saying yeah. choice, and and some people say this to me, and I've said it before, is that mm-hmm. I, I it's not a choice because it just comes, and I don't want it to come. Like it sure. just it just comes on, but it is a choice for you to be able to continue to allow it to snowball. You are right. allowing it to continue to be a habit and take a hold of you. Mm-hmm. That's your choice. And, and yeah. I can say that confidently because I was this, I was that dude saying, no, 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 you're wrong, David, because mm-hmm. I can't control it. But then we're saying, what do we do? I just gave all the power to it because I used to say that I can't yeah. help it. I can't control it, but I gave all mm-hmm. the power to it. Well, it's the same as any it. habit that you've dis- or, or any destructive habit that mm-hmm. you've had. I mean, somebody that's been smoking for 20 years, they say, I can't control, you know, I, I, I feel the urge. I got to have a smoke. Um, you're right. Right now, 
that is, you know, it's not, I'm not making the choice. My body says I have to have this, or if it's some, it's a drug of some sort, any, any habit that we have uh, when we're in the midst of it is not a choice. But if you can step back and say, okay, I'm going to tell myself, and I may not believe it at first, but I'm going to tell myself intellectually that this is a habit and like any habit, it can be overcome. Yeah. It can be replaced with a different habit. So step one is to realize that it's a habit. Step two is to decide I'm going to change that habit. And the very first thing that we have to do, and this is fundamental to it all, is to decide I'm going to take 100% responsibility for everything that happens in my life. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely key. And, you know, we can, and that means I stop blaming and I stop complaining. And anytime I catch myself, and, and because it's a habit, we're not even conscious of it. So we've got to pay attention to my thoughts. And as soon as I start blaming somebody else, and whether it's the government, or whether it's the economy, or whether it's climate change, or whether whatever it is, mm -hmm. or, you know, be, my kids, my, my spouse, I don't care what it is. My boss. Your, my boss, yeah. Um, if you are complaining or bl blaming somebody else for your circumstances or complaining about a situation, then you're continuing the habit. Mm -hmm. So this is a real important one. And this is, a, a, you know, the next step along the way to catch myself blaming and complaining and say, no, I, you know, it's tempting. It's real easy. But as you pointed out, as soon as I do, then I have no control over my situation. Because until they decide or the circumstance decides to change, I'm powerless. So I'm going to take responsibility. It may not be fun. It may not be easy. Uh, but if it's going to change, I'm going to be the one that's responsible for it. Absolutely. So that's what Beautiful. I have to do. And, and then what I do is I, I take inventory and find the things, the specific things that I find myself getting anxious about. Everybody has different ones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have a lot of them. But I want to is, take. Is inventory. that steps? Is that step three then? Take inventory. Yeah, step three. Okay. Take take inventory. And I'm actually going to write down. When I started writing down, and I, I keep uh, journals. I you know I I write regularly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and there's a there's a. There's and I a, used to think journaling was stupid. Mm, there's an interesting uh, psychological thing that happens with journaling. And, and especially with anxiety, because I would, you know, do that snowballing thing and go around and around in circles. Why am I not able to do this? And um, one day, and, and, you know, again, the nudges come in the strangest ways. One day I was suddenly uh, inspired to take my journal and start writing about my anxieties. Yeah. And what I also want to do is go back and find the original source of the anxieties. Where did this start? Because when we're born, people are, humans are born with two and only two fears. One is the fear of loud noises. The second is the fear of falling. Those seem to be built into our biology somehow. Every single thing else we've learned or been conditioned to, to be afraid of, all right? You were taught to be afraid of, uh, you know, of getting sick. You were taught to be afraid of uh, being poor, whatever it is. And I, and I see this a lot as a teacher is yeah. the anxieties of students really when, when is really an, a, a progression of the anxiety of the adult. 
in, yeah. their, in their oh, environment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you've got a parent who's afraid of dogs, for example, you know, that's going to get passed on to the kid. Dogs are to be afraid of. Strangers are to be afraid, you know, stranger danger, you know, you should be afraid. So now, yeah. and when you're six years old, walking home from school by yourself, you know, being cautious of strangers is a good idea. But when you're 36, and you're still <laughs> don't have, you know, the ability yeah. to talk to somebody, yeah. that's a little out of control. So, what I did is I started going back to, because one of my fears, one of my personal anxieties was all about money. Mm -hmm. I've always had this, and, and you know, in your, um, uh, in the, the group, uh, on uh, the Facebook group uh, last week or so, you were asking, you know, what would people, what are limiting beliefs that people have? And I, yeah. I wrote a piece about that. I grew up in a household that was, we, we weren't technically poverty stricken or anything, but, uh, you know, the ratio of kids to money was very low. Um, uh, my dad, uh, his father died when he was 16 and he had a mother and two sisters and he had to quit school. And he like this was in the in the midst of the depression in the 30s. And he had to quit school at 16 to go to support them. Yeah. And uh, and he, he was an amazing guy. I mean, tremendous respect for him, what he did. But I grew up in a household where we were taught money is hard to come by if you know only people who are lucky or crooked get rich uh you know you constant it's a constant battle to have enough yep. and that's what i grew up learning and believing and so i you know i spent my entire adult life being afraid of money and yep. being convinced that this is hard to get etc so anyway, but you take your journal and you go back, you know, and it takes some meditating and just some, some alone, quiet time, et cetera. And I started writing out, all right, what, you know, where did this, and, and suddenly I'd find myself writing pages about where this came from and going back and, and, you know, if you've got fears of health, where did that come from? Where did you learn to be afraid of, of being sick? Where did you learn to be afraid of uh, women? and relationships and stuff like that. Where did that come from? And the reason journaling is really important. And when I say journaling, I mean, taking a pen. I even have, you know, a nice, I've got two actually, nice fountain pens that I write with because it makes the process sort of, um, there, there's a visceral kind of kinesthetic thing of writing slowly that you don't get when you're typing on your right. on a keyboard yep. or, or dictating into a voice memo or anything like that. So get a, a book and a pen and write it out. Because what happens is these anxieties and fears actually start to leave your body and move down your arm and out through your fingers and onto the page. When you've done that and you go back, suddenly you're able to have an objective view of your anxiety yeah. that you didn't have before. Before it was in you and it was you. It was who your identity is. Suddenly now it's external. Yeah. And you have you're able to be um, objective about it. You're able to look at it from arm's length and you're able to say, oh, OK, that I see where that came from. Does mm -hmm. it make sense? Is it some is it serving me? Yep. And we're able to be much more uh, empirical about it and scientific about it. Guys, we love to uh, imagine ourselves as logical and reason driven and all mm -hmm. the rest of it. And so let's use that Correct. to, you know, to get over this anxiety thing. And that's why writing them out is really, really important. 
the and so this awareness all right here are here's the list of things you know am i afraid of bungee jumping no i'm not afraid about that at all but am i am i afraid of uh women yeah i'm terrified of women okay great now i know i've identified the things yeah. that i'm afraid of the third the 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 final piece of this third step is to uh, and, and in the book and in my workshops, I use a guided visualization. And what we do is say, because anxiety shows up as tension in the body, mm-hmm. always. And it's, for different people, it shows up in different places. Some people, it shows up in their jaw, you know, we're clenching our jaw. Some people get headaches. Some people, it's in the stomach. For me, it was in my neck and shoulders all the time. And so what I did is I took myself through this guided visualization. I close your eyes and you visualize this tension that's in you as a physical object. And so for me, I visualized this iron bar that was like stretched across my shoulders and through my, through my neck. And so there's this object inside and I could feel the tension there, but then I used visualization to start controlling it. So I would take this iron bar that's in, and I'd shrink it down. And so instead of being this long, and now it's this long. And then I'd stretch it out. And so it'd be touched both walls in the room. And then I'd turn it into a ball. And then I'd start moving it around in my body. And I'd take my tension and put it down in my left foot. And then I'd move it up to, you know, up to my top of my head and out to my left hand. And, and the entire point is that instead of it controlling me, I'm starting to be in control of it. Yeah. And then I would take it and I'd visualize it. And again, in my workshops and in the book, I, I walk people through this and I'd turn it and I'd move it down my right hand and put it into the palm of my hand and make it into a, And as a baseball player, you'd get this like a ball. And I'd just toss it up and down a few times, you know, to sort of play with it. And then I'd throw it up in the air and catch it. And then I'd set it down on the ground beside me. And then I'd reach down. And so you are now in control because this anxiety manifests itself as this tension. And what I'm wanting to do is be the one that's in control of it instead of it controlling me. Then I pick it up and I'm holding it in my hand and now it's a hard iron ball. And, and now I visualize it sort of turning into dust and then turning into smoke and sort of mist. And then I just go and it just kind of disappears. So we go through this exercise and then, then I say, all right, now go back and picture the, the tension that's in your body again. And people, it's not there. You know, it, mm-hmm. where'd it go? Well, I, I took control of it and I got rid of it. Correct. Now that is going to work for very short. I did, you know, I'll, when I do a workshop and I walk people through this, I had one woman say, my shoulders aren't tight anymore. Mm-hmm. This is great. And when she walks out of that workshop, it's great. But this is a habit, right? right? And what do habits do? They love to come back again. So step four is I have to replace the habit with something different. And there are three things, three major things. There's some minor ones as well, but three major things that I'm going to replace it with. Number one is gratitude. I am going to go through some exercise and, and, you know, I wake up every morning and start a new habit of waking up. And before I even get out of bed, I'm going to list, you know, think of five things that I'm really grateful for. Mm-hmm. That was a huge one. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm grateful for the great night's sleep I just had. I'm grateful for my wife lying there beside me. I'm grateful for 
this really comfortable pillow that my head's been on. I'm grateful for the fact that I'm waking up and yep. I've got another day <laughs> to. Uh, that's what to we. Do that's it. what I. That's what I always say, and that's one thing yeah. I I did that created the most amount of anxiety in my life was I woke up annoyed. And yeah. Now, yeah. I, now I wake up and I'm like, dude, thank you, man. And, and I'm spiritual, mm-hmm. but I'm like, dude, thank yeah. you. Give me another day, man. Let's go get it. Yeah. Like and now, that's that's the difference. Oh, it's huge, huge difference because as when your brain is filled with gratitude, it is impossible for anxiety to reside there simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So we're starting, we're creating new habits to move the anxiety out of there. Um, But I, you know, in in addition to the, you know, the big picture things, here I am alive, it's a new day. I also encourage people to be grateful for some really tiny things. Like uh, last night, um, Gail and I were watching some TV and I had a slice of pumpkin pie because it's fall and it's (laughs) actually today, the day we're recording this is Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, It's the same as Columbus Day. So today is Canadian Thanksgiving. So, you know, being Canadian, I actually have dual citizenship. But anyway, the the Canadian in me is still there. So (laughs) this piece of this pumpkin pie and I had a slice of it and it was really, really good. And so, you know, I'm grateful for the taste of pumpkin pie in my mouth. And, um, you know, so not just the big picture things, but the tiny little things, too. You know, um, make sure you do that. So that's the first first habit that we want to replace it with is gratitude. The second one is um, what I like to call instant action. So one of the things that we've talked about anxiety is that it's sort of chronic and uh, and it it's a response to things that are off in the future somewhere. And, uh, and so if it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm wide awake and I'm, you know, and it's going around and around my head, instead of trying to go back to sleep, what I encourage people to do is to say, all right, get up right now, get up out of bed, go sit down and think, what is one thing I can do right now in the next five minutes that can help me deal with this thing that I'm worried about? So, for example, uh, I'm worried about my finances, which was my classic. So here it is, two in the morning. What can I do right now? All right, sit down and make a budget for the next month. Write write it down, make a budget. And then, uh, or if I'm worried about my health, you know, I'm, I've, 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 I've got 20 pounds that I don't need. You know, th- I know this is hurting me. All right, great, two o'clock in the morning sign up for a, uh, for a health club, you know, go online, sign up and join. And, you know, whether it's virtual these days or whatever, uh, there's so much on YouTube, you know, order a Peloton machine, (laughs) whatever you want to do, but do something right this very instant that is going to uh, take you a step towards solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Then before you go back to bed, or if it's, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, you can do that too. Um, then you, you know, what are three things that I can do in the next 24 hours mm-hmm. that are going to help me move this along? So that's that we call that habit instant action. The yeah. instant I feel myself being anxious about something or worried about something, do something about it right now. Yep. 
And then you've, again, you've taken control. Yep. And that makes all the difference. I was just going to say that. You've taken control. Of, yep. And then three is? The number three is called <clears throat> replace it with purpose. Oh, because all anxiety and all worry happen when, as you've said so eloquently, you've lost track of who you are mm -hmm. and what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Because a guy who wakes up in the morning with purpose, who understands who he is and what he's here to do and what he's here to accomplish, there is no room for anxiety at all. A head that is filled with purpose cannot be worried about anything. And, and so a lot of people say, well, I don't know what my purpose is, but hey, that's, that's your gig. That's and, you what know, I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because every single person was put here to do something. Correct. And every one of us, and it doesn't matter how big or how small it is. You know, you look at a guy like Nelson Mandela, you look like a Steve Jobs or whatever you think, a Bill Gates, you think, whoa, these people have huge earth shattering purposes. I don't have that, doesn't matter. Mm -mm. One of the best examples, and this isn't a guy, but I, I just love this example. Um, my, wife, aunt, my wife's aunt, uh, she's passed away now. She died when she was 99 a couple of years ago. And she was widowed and she, would, uh, she was living in this uh, elder care home. She would knit um, the little bonnets and booties for the preemie babies in mm. hospitals. And she'd crank these things out, you know, a dozen a month or whatever. And she'd sit there and just knit away. And they're the, you know, they're, it's like this oh, big. Yeah, like bit, yeah. But the hospitals would love them. And here's this lady. She's 99 years old. Mm -hmm. But that's why she wakes up every single morning. Because yeah. she has something that has to be done. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, is it changing the world? No, it's not. But is it changing one so, person's yeah, yeah. world? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So guys, what are you here for? Mm -hmm. You know, what is it that matters to you? Because without purpose, you got nothing to do but worry. We just like run in a, we run in a cycle. That's it. Yeah. That's right. That's that's exactly right. You're waiting for life to start. I waited till I was 55 to, for life to start. Guess you know I missed out on a little bit. I, trust me, I'm making up for it now. And I and, 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 I, and I love that because I waited till 36 years old to yeah, do that. And and, and what right. one of the things that we talked about and, and why I'm having this conversation. I, and I think uh, and again I told you I'm not good on time, but I think hmm. we're right probably about an hour right now. So. Okay. Kind of trying to wrap some things up here, but sure. one of the reasons why I love having this conversation is because we don't want, and we don't want the next generation or even guys in our generation to continue yeah. to wake up, not knowing exactly who they are. That's you know, right. And I think when, when we know exactly who we are, when we own ourselves, when we love our story and when we go live with purpose every single day, we wake up excited about life and we got mm -hmm. one life to live on here. And instead of in that worry trap or, that that monotonous trap of life or or just waking mm -hmm. up like oh okay it's monday again like i'm excited it's monday i'm excited yeah. it's tuesday i'm excited it's saturday i don't care what day it is. Oh. i'm excited because i got another opportunity but i didn't mm. feel like that until i completely took ownership of myself and the yeah. things that yeah. i was choosing to do that's exactly right and uh, it's funny, I, I came across, oh, and this is 10 years or so ago now, a poem. 
Uh, it's an obscure one by the person who actually is, is kind of a friend now. Uh, and it's called The Reassurance of Sunrise. And basically the, the essence of the poem says, you know, I've got however many days to live. And every time the sun comes up, I get a chance to try again and see if I can get it right. No, I don't get it right all the time, but I get to try again. And when we wake up um, with purpose, there's no room for anxiety. I'm, I'm busy and yeah, stuff's gonna happen. Challenges are gonna come along, but rather than insurmountable obstacles or, oh my God, life's a shit brick. You know, these are, <laughs> hey, this is cool. I mean, think about, you know, let's, let's be manly men. Let's be out there on a motocross course mm -hmm. or, or on a, you know, in, in, the, in the military, an obstacle course to try and overcome. Nobody looks at those as, like, oh, shit, oh, what yeah, am I going to do now? You know, it's, hey, let me at this thing. Watch what I can do with this ramp. That's how we start looking at the challenges that come along in life and say, all right, let me take this one on because I know I can do it. And that's what happens when you stop having this anxiety habit. And it, that's all it is, is a habit. And we can let it go. And once you let it go, man, it's free. You can accomplish absolutely. Money. Yeah, absolutely yeah. freeing. So, so Dave, yeah. let, let, let people know where, where can they find you at? How can they get a hold of you? Um, oh, again, thank you. Yeah. Um, well, there are two places. Number one is the Facebook group called Fearless Living and Growth Society. And it's, fairly, it's only been up for a couple of months. We're growing. I think I hit 60 members last week. I'm awesome. hoping, uh, hoping to hit 100. Yeah. And, uh, but it's growing. And, and, you know, and, and Clay, one of the things that you talked about, which is sort of your target market, you know, you're, you're not trying to help the guys that are just, you know, down. so down and down. want yeah. to stay down. I also, and this is important to recognize and to say out loud, and that is I recognize that there is such a thing as genuine mental illness that yes. results in anxiety. And boy, am I ever glad in those situations that there is the medications, mm -hmm. there are the professional therapies, et cetera. That's not what we're trying to help. Uh, I'm, I don't have those credentials uh, and I can't, I don't begin to say that I can help people like that. The people that I'm working with are people who, like me, you know, I'm smarter than this. I can do better than this. Yep. What the heck is going on that's holding me back from all this? I can help you guys. So there's the Facebook group, Fearless Living and Growth Society. But there's also the our website called i-fearless.com, i-fearless.com. There's a bunch of stuff on there. I, we do a weekly blog called Fearless Fridays. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel now. Awesome. Uh, you can access all of that through the website. And uh, basically, and, you know, I do coaching with people. Basically, guys, we can get rid of this yes. anxiety. I agree. I agree. And, and what's your final thoughts, uh, David? Like, you know, give us something to go out on and, and really just kind of wrap things up here, dealing with what, what can you inspire our men that are listening to this podcast or, or anybody really who's listening to this podcast. And when it comes to anxiety, it comes to really taking ownership. I think that's a big thing that we got here. So yeah. what's your final The biggest thing man? is guys, you, if, you, if you are feeling anxiety and worry, then you are just dragging this anchor around with you, but you can let it go. It is not part of life. It is not a fact of life. It is not required. 
you can let it go. And man, imagine the sprint you can do when you're not dragging this hundred pound anchor behind you. Oh, dude, I know that sprint. It's great. So thank you very much for sharing your story, David. Thank you for being here with us today, talking about fear, talking about anxiety, because that is a big topic that we need to be talking about as men. So men, it's an awesome day. It is a great day to be alive. It's a great day to go out and kick some ass every single day. So wake up excited about life every single day. Be the man that you want to be. Let's come together and be good men doing great things all over this world. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, everybody. You, Let's have a great day. See you guys.